This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Match day five of the Champions League campaign sees two men who squared off against each other in the 2011 final, making their managerial debuts in the competition. A shabby looks to salvage pride and much-needed points for Barcelona, while Michael Carrick takes charge of a Manchester United side low on goals, low on confidence, low on everything else. Me, Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson, looking ahead to these games and plenty more storylines as clubs across the continent look to stamp their tickets to the knockout stage of the Champions League. Gigo Lasso Champions League preview begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Champions League Preview Kego Lasso Match Day 5. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much. We're so close to 5,000 subscribers. Maybe even by the time you watch this, we've already passed it. So thank you, but please smash that like button and hit subscribe. Also, we want to hear from you. Get in that comment section. Share your thoughts. John underscore the gossip. Jimmy Conrad on Twitter. Ask a question. Get things off your chest. Some of you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and review. And Spotify, Stitcher, CBS Sports, and your CBS Sports app. Right then, the Champions League is back. The penultimate penultimate match day of the group stages before we wrap up the year and we know exactly who's making it into the knockout stages jimmy conrad is on the same time zone as yours truly how are you jimmy yes it's so good to be here i'm at cbs sports hq i don't have the sexy backdrop so you're just gonna have to have the sexy me with my new roma (laughs) kit let's go (laughs) welcome jimmy conrad as we mentioned he's on the east coast Uh, lovely to see you there bud and of course from paris jonathan johnson how are you bud hey there guys great to be back on with you doing well thanks apart from the fact that it's just past four in the afternoon and it's pretty much night here Oh boy, it's that winter time that's approaching in Europe and it gets really dark really early. But hey, not with us. The brightness is always here on Kegolasso Champions League preview. Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson, as we will walk through match day five for you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do Tuesday's action. We'll take a break and then we'll go right into Wednesday. So make sure that you stay with us throughout the whole episode. All right, so let's begin, everybody with obviously the biggest news. Uh, This is obviously going to continue as the week goes along, but Manchester United has a massive game against Villarreal in the Champions League. Tuesday, 12.45 Eastern. Michael Carrick is in charge after the exit of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. We got a Fabrizio Romano episode updating us on everything, but we know the names so far that are in contention, of course. Mauricio Pochettino reportedly being the leading one. So Jonathan Johnson, I wanted to begin with you very quickly. Manchester United... They need this win. Michael Carrick in charge. You can mention Pochettino if you want. How are you feeling about the whole thing? Uh, I mean, I, I, th- I think it was about time that Manchester United acted. There's no way that they couldn't uh, after such a humiliating defeat against Watford. Um, but it just it, it feels underwhelming for me from the outside looking in. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly a Manchester United fan or anything, but I, if I was a United fan, I'd feel pretty underwhelmed by the fact that they're looking down the barrel at another potential interim uh, solution to what has been, you know, quite a long-term problem, a full-time problem uh, at this moment in time. You know, they've tried uh, the temporary solution in Solskjaer. It succeeded to a certain extent, but then they saw the limitations of that. They cannot let history repeat itself. Uh, And I think that, you know, at this moment in time, the availability at Old Trafford comes uh, at an opportune moment because, it's my belief and only my belief at this moment in time that if United went and knocked on PSG's door offering to pay full compensation, I think there would at least be some consideration from PSG. Interesting. I don't even I don't even know if Pochettino's the guy, to be honest. I mean, there's a lot of romanticism around him, but he hasn't actually won anywhere he's gone. So I guess if that's what United wants, that's what they're going to continue to get. I will say, though, outside of Manchester United having to win, if they win, then and an Atalanta gets a draw or a loss against Young Boys. I mean, they did beat United on match day one. Then United will actually win the group. But outside of those 
uh, let's say, mathematics to, to get into the round of 16. What I wanted to add is they just need to win this to win this. They need to, right. to, to have a response to, to Ole Gunner, who I think is really just one of their friends. You know when you're, you're part of something and one of your friends is in charge? It might even be like a fantasy league. And you're like, ah, I don't know if that guy's really good at being commissioner. You know, like he means well. And he seems like an awesome guy, but he doesn't really. And know we how need to run numbers, things. and we need numbers. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he's the fantasy guy that's not a good commissioner for your league. That's Ole Gunner. You love the guy. You'll do anything for him. But if somebody else was in charge, they'd probably run a tighter ship, and everything would go a lot more smoothly. And I think that's what we're seeing with Ole Gunner. And they stuck with him for quite some time to figure that out. So mm. it's going to be interesting. And and I'm cautiously, let's see, nervous and cautiously optimistic, I guess, in, in, in the same way about what the future looks like for Manchester United, because they really blew it by not getting Antonio Conte uh, a lot sooner. Yeah, absolutely. But let's look at the immediate future right now in this game against Villarreal. As you mentioned, Jimmy, they need a win regardless under Michael Carrick. Manchester United have failed to keep a single clean sheet in the Champions League this season. Seven goals in their four games so far and are winless in their last four on the road. Uh, One draw, three losses since that 2-1 win, uh, coincidentally against uh, PSG away last October. So this is not going to be easy. Manchester United traveling to Villarreal and Unai Emery. How do you see it, Jonathan Johnson? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it, it's it's a tricky one. Uh, you know, obviously United on paper have the, the the squad to be able to come away with the result. But, uh, you know, Emery knows United well from his time in the Premier League. Uh, you know, Villarreal have not necessarily been getting the results expected of them so far this season. Uh, you know, Emery as well, I think, uh, you know, is, is sort of reinvesting himself in this job at this moment in time after those links with Newcastle that ultimately came to nothing. Uh, and I think that, you know, for United being under pressure like this, uh, you know, sort of being vulnerable at this moment in time now that the move has been made uh, and they know that, uh, you know, new candidates will be being assessed uh, by the club ahead of a potential move for one of them. Uh, it's you know, to to me, I'm I'm looking at this as potentially the match day where everything could maybe change in the group. Because let's not forget about what happened to United last season, where they looked like they were going to be sailing through. Uh, you know, up until uh, the the last couple of games when they really slipped up, uh, and that allowed PSG and and Leipzig to to get in ahead of them. So you know, I think that they really really need to at least avoid defeat here. And if they can do that, then they're probably going to be able to see it out to advance through the group. Yeah, with regard to both teams, I mean, I'll start with the Yellow Submarine first. They started the season really brightly. They were undefeated in their first seven. It was two wins and five draws. So I don't know. I guess you take that with a grain of salt with five draws out of seven games. Villarreal have lost three, though, out of their last six. They've only won five matches in all competitions. So they're not losing games, per se. They have a lot of draws at nine out of those those games. But they have trouble putting teams away. So the game against Celta Vigo this past weekend... They should have been up 3-0 after the 70th minute. I mean, they had a ton of chances, and they couldn't put it away. They were only up 1-0 at that point. And then from the 70th minute on, Celta Vigo just turned it on and actually were unlucky. It ended 1-1, but they were Villarreal were lucky not to lose that game. Gerard Moreno, who I think scored 29 goals in La Liga last season, is out due to injury, and I think that might be part of the reason why they're struggling in front of goals. So it's going to be really difficult, I think with four via Real to potentially eke out a win, maybe a draw. Cause they seem to like really enjoy getting draws this season with regard to United though, Michael Carrick can come in and they might get that, that I don't know, new, new situation, new voice bounce that, that happens when, when managers leave, but I don't even know what their best starting 11 is. And I don't even know if you ask any of the players, I actually think if you went into the locker room and said, Hey, Ronaldo, what do you think the best 11 is? He'd give you something different than what Bruno Fernandez would think with the best 11 is. And then, and then Harry Maguire would probably give you a different best ele- And that's that's part of the issue. And I think that really hurts them from having that identity. That said, you know, maybe there is going to be there's something they can get out of this. Uh, United overall in their history have only won four times in 27 games in Spain. That doesn't bode well, I think, uh, for that result. So a, a draw seems like it's on the cards. But um, yeah, this is a tough one. I, I agree with JJ. This one's a bit tricky. Yeah, and listen, uh, to your very good point about how we don't really know what the best starting eleven is of Manchester United, not even the players themselves. Michael Carrick has warned, you know, there, there could be a few changes here. So it'll be interesting to see how we go into those one. And your point, of course, I bet Moreno, he was the one that scored that winner in the Europa League final. So that, that will be a loss for Villarreal. So it'll be a very interesting thing to see. All right, let's, let's move on here. But before we do that, quick predictions on this score then. Jonathan Johnson, what do you have? 
I'm going to go for one one. And uh, just to add to uh, what Jimmy was saying, uh, you know, and, and also what, when, what you were saying about Carrick hinting at changes, you know, I think this is a big opportunity as well for some players, particularly Donny van der Beek in mind. Uh, you know, I think this is a huge chance for him to breathe new life into what's been a, a really disappointing uh, career move for him so far. Jimmy? Yeah, I, I agree with 1-1. One, one. I think that's a nice, safe bet. So if anybody's looking into that, they should consider it. Oh, God. So do I. I think, I think it's going to be a draw as well. So let's move on here. Barcelona and Xavi got their win against Espanyol. He had two 17-year-olds in that lineup. We will see how this works out as Xavi makes his 151st Champions League appearance for Barcelona, of course, this one as manager of Barcelona, but the most by a player for a single team in history of the competition. But they face, they host Benfica. I'm imagining Camp Nou will be rocking again, 3 p.m. Eastern. Jimmy Conrad, how do you see this one? That's a good one. I think that Javi is going to have a tough time, you know, trying to figure out who his front three is going to be. And actually, I should scale it back. This is probably the game for me on match day five because... You know, Barcelona's got six points in second and Benfica's got four. Benfica mm. need to win this game. Like they really need to to, to get after it if they want to get that second spot. And, and Barcelona really just needs a draw to kind of just to suffer. They still, I guess they have Bayern Munich on the last uh, match day. So there's no guarantees. Benfica could maybe still make it happen even with a draw. But but this this Barcelona team's interesting because they had uh, Ilias starting this past weekend against Espanyol, 17-year-old. And Abdi came on at halftime a 19-year-old that both play for Barcelona Bay. None of them will be available for this particular game. Ilias is serving a ban after getting sent off in the UEFA Youth League, which I appreciate him being a little hot-headed, you know? And then Abdi has not spent more than two years with the club. so It's funny that it carries, doesn't it, Jimmy? It's funny that it carries. Yeah, and there's a lot of rules, too, for younger players. So Abdi has not spent more than two years with the club, so he can't can't be registered in Europe um, as an in-house youngster, unfortunately. So... They have a bit of an issue now. Obviously, you could bring in a Coutinho. You know, you could figure out different things. You know, they put uh, Gavi in, in as a left winger or on, out on the wing, and he was floating around. What I really did like about their performance in the first half, I thought was tremendous, was was their press. They went for it, and they 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 took some big risks where they basically went one on one in the back. And I feel like you can do that in 15, 20 second spells if the pressure is adequate. Then then you're not going to isolate. You know, because Araujo didn't play or he came on as a sub. So you have PK. If he gets isolated with, let's say, Darwin Nunez from Benfica, he's going to get crushed in that that particular matchup. And he didn't mm. look good in the first first match day they played against him where Nunez, he got subbed off. What PK got subbed off in the 35th minute or something crazy because he just couldn't cope with some of the stuff. Now, maybe he had a bit of an injury. So that makes me a little bit fearful for Barcelona that Xavi's coming in and saying, hey, we're going to go. We're going to be like the old Barcelona. We're really going to put our, our fingerprints and stamp on this game and set the tone. But the problem was against Espanyol this past weekend is they shouldn't have won that game. They got very fortunate to win the game. A draw felt like a fair result and maybe even a win for Espanyol. They had so many chances, Ter Stegen or the post, somebody or guys missing sitters. So if that happens with Benfica, who know that the stakes of this game, I, I, I fear for Barcelona a little bit if they try to isolate that. This should be a great game, though. And as I mentioned, this is, uh, for me, my favorite matchup in match day five. Yeah, I mean, I think this is uh, this is coming at a crucial time as well, similar to the United one, where Benfica really have to get a result now. You know, they've played decently against Bayern without getting the result. You know, I think that the Bayern re- the results have flattered Bayern a little bit over those two games. Uh, and now Benfica, you know, they have this opportunity against a potentially vulnerable Barcelona. Uh, the the thing that they've got to worry about is, you know, that thing we've mentioned already about the new coach bounce, uh, you know, especially you know, being, you know, such a special stage, uh, you know, where Xavi has uh, shone for Barca in the past, you know, to have another one of those big European nights so soon into his tenure, uh, you know, that could also work in his favor because the players will be that extra bit motivated, especially mm. knowing that pretty much if they can get the win here, you know, that should see them through as one of the top two t- Well, yeah, in second place. They're not going to finish top now. Yeah, well, Serginho Dest is back in training, Jimmy Conrad. Uh, that should make you a little bit happier. I mean, not yeah. to say that he'll start, but, you know, good to see him back I- in. It's tough. I, I I just wonder, you know, Javi's trying things. And I think one of the DNA or or most important part of the DNA from Johan Cruyff in particular is just to throw young guys out there and see how they do. Yeah. And, and I think he's already done that in his first game in charge. Now he's just without some of those guys. He does have Yusuf Demir, who could be an option. Uh, Memphis Depay and Gabi will probably most likely start again. Though if they could drop Gabi into to midfield, uh, I think he might be a better fit there. That's where he normally plays. Coutinho is obviously an option. Luke de Jong are also available. So he's also available. It's going to be interesting. 
I, I, I fear for Barcelona, though, because if they try to push too much, I just feel like Benfica's got the, the players up top that can, that can sting them. With regard to Benfica, though, they're, they're without a win in eight away matches in the Champions League group stage since uh, they beat Athens. Ike Athens on match day two in the 2018-2019 season. That's a fun fact for everybody. So they're not necessarily great away from home. They had to play against Bayern Munich twice, you know, on match day three, match day four. That's not going to do anything to build your confidence. But and they, they shipped five goals in match day four. So they, they, are, they have some vulnerabilities as well. But um, this is going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to it. I don't even know if I want to give a prediction, to be honest. This well, is, let uh, me go do JJ first, then. Give me a score prediction for JJ. I know what I want. I know. I think I know what I'm going to do. There are vulnerable. There are vulnerabilities on both sides, to your point. Espanyol should have gotten something against Barcelona. And to your point about Benfica really not doing that. I mean, they did get a win this past weekend in the league for one against Pacos Ferreira. But still, you know, they're, they're, they're not exactly the finished product. So, JJ, give me your score prediction on this. I'm going to say 2-1 Barca, but I think it's going to be a really tight 2-1. Yeah, an ugly win, maybe. 2-1 to Barcelona. Jimmy Conrad, you got to give it to me. Come on. Oh, no. <laughs> ah. Okay, so listen, they also beat Braga 6-1 prior. So they've got the Benfica scored 10 goals in There's the last goals. two games. Yeah, they can score. That's for sure. They can score, but as we mentioned with Bayern Munich, they gave up five. Barcelona does have some fire. I mean, you know what? I'll, I'll say 2-2. Two, two. I think, I think I'm saying this is going to be the best match. I'm going to see a lot of goals. I think it's going to be exciting. Both teams are pressing to go for it. I, I like 2-2, which is a result I think that favors Barcelona a little bit more than Benfica, but it doesn't mean Benfica's out of it. Yeah, Xavi is a glutton for beautiful uh, football <laughs> here, but it's not going to happen on Tuesday. I think it's going to be a very tight win for Barcelona. I, I would even venture one nothing, but I do like the 2-1. But uh, Barcelona win. Let's go with one nothing just to be different from, wow. from JJ. Wow. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right, let's keep moving here. Group G is interesting, everybody. All to play for. Anybody can go through here as Sevilla face Wolfsburg, Lille face Salzburg. By the way, Sevilla face Wolfsburg and Jonathan Johnson already had a great interview with Kevin Mbabu, the Swiss star. Uh, here's a little snippet from an interview. Check it out. Wolfsburg have tight links uh, with the USA. Is it, is it a country that you particularly enjoy spending time in? I don't know, over the summer holidays, times like that. Uh, yes, I've been a few times um, to America. Uh, I have family there. I have my big brother who's living in around Washington. And uh, so, yeah, I, I really like uh, America. And I secretly hope that maybe at the end of my career, I can uh, play in the MLS. <laughs> And there you have it with Mbabu and our very own Jonathan Johnson. Uh, great stuff there, JJ. Uh, talk to me a little bit more about this player and specifically Wolfsburg as they look to uh, get something against a very good Sevilla side. Yeah, thanks, man. No, it was a very enjoyable uh, interview. Uh, you know, very, very laid back. Uh, Babu, uh, you know, spoke about a number of different topics. Uh, you know, if uh, if anyone's interested in in reading more of what he said, uh, check out the two written articles that are already up on the website. Uh, you know, but I agree. I think this is a fascinating group when you look at uh, its makeup because I think before any uh, ball was even kicked, we would have probably expected Sevilla to be top. Uh, you know, so for Salzburg to be the strongest team in the group and for Wolfsburg to have suddenly come roaring back into it after beating them unexpectedly, you know, first defeat in months uh, for the Austrians who have looked very good on the continental stage so far. Uh, you know, I think it, it's really set up well for these final two match days. Obviously, uh, for, for me, speaking from a, a French footballing point of view, it'd be huge if Lille can make it through in the, in the top mm. two. They've still got a chance of doing that uh, after going to Sevilla and getting a, a positive result. So, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this one plays out. And I think the, the interesting, one of the most interesting things to come out of the Babu interview uh, was when we were talking about the change in coach uh, between Mark Van Bommel and Florian Kofeld, he suggested to me in, in what he was saying that he wasn't necessarily sold on the fact that the coach had to go at that time. It was definitely a club decision that they made. Uh, he pointed to the fact that they started the season very well, then just hit upon a very difficult patch of form. But then, uh, you know, as we know, uh, you know, results have immediately picked up since that coaching change was made. So, you know, the the players are now sort of feeling, uh, you know, re, re, revitalized uh, by the by the coaching change. Uh, and, you know, they, they now feel like they're closer to achieving their goals, which is to get themselves back into the Champions League Obviously, uh, you know, that goes without saying that they haven't given up on advancing from the group stage here yet. So very, very interesting stuff. 
Yeah, I, I agree with regard to Wolfsburg. Uh, they had gone eight games without a win, and then they won three in a row under Kofeld. And they were down to Armenia Bielefeld this weekend, 2-0, and they came back and tied at 2-2. So there's something yeah, that Kofeld's doing that's that's helping kind of bring them alive and giving them a chance and giving them that positivity that I think that they lacked, unfortunately, under Van Bommel. That's usually Van the case, though, Jimmy, right? That's usually the case with a new manager. Sometimes you get that bolt of energy. I wonder how long it lasts. Yeah, well, I guess Michael Carrick will be uh, our next uh, <laughs> guinea pig to see if that actually works or not, even yeah. though he was still on the staff and Kofeld wasn't. Yeah. So, so this is going to be an interesting one because you got uh, from from Sevilla's standpoint, and this is a fun fact: Sevilla's home stadium is actually hosting the Europa League final this season. And we know that Spanish teams love winning the Europa League, and Sevilla won it two seasons ago <laughs> under Julian Lopetegui. So maybe they want to get third, so they drop into the Europa League. I'm just throwing that out there. I just feel like when I watch Sevilla play, because domestically they're on 28 points in La Liga, only two points behind Real Madrid, and they actually go to Madrid this this weekend to to face them. So huge game, yeah. That's a huge game. That's obviously something to take into consideration. This game's happening on a Tuesday. That happens on a Sunday. So they have more than enough time to rest. I don't think they're going to juggle the lineup at all. But there's no Jesus uh, Navas. He's out until the end of the year with an injury. You have Inezri, who's their top scorer. He's out. But Lucas Acampos actually scored this past weekend. They were down twice as well, Sevilla, to, uh, to Alaves. They came back from 1-0 and 2-1 to go 2-2. So very similar to, to uh, Wolfsburg in some ways. And then you have uh, Val Vekors, another player that that hadn't been scoring in a while. He scores this past weekend as well. So you got Lucas Ocampos and Vekors coming back. They're both in good runs of form domestically. So they've got a lot of similar similarities here. I just I just wonder who who's going to have the advantage. You know, um, I, I like Sevilla a lot for them to to drop points again. I, I feel like they and I want to hear from JJ too because I feel like they really. Missed their opportunity giving up that that lead to Lille, which, by the way, was a bit of a sketchy, sketchy penalty, I thought, on Delaney, <laughs> if you remember that, where he kind of – he hits somebody in the face. I don't know if it's Iconi or, or, or who it was, but – or maybe it was Jonathan David. Jonathan David's been on fire, but uh, – yeah, I, I, I just I think that Sevilla is going to have enough uh, to get a result here with all due respect to Wolfsburg. But uh, this is going to be a good game. Yeah, something that could potentially change it, actually, that's really interesting is Wolfsburg will be without their starting goalkeeper, Cone Castiles. He's been that's ruled right. out because of COVID. So that could potentially change things for them. Um, you know, but my, my eyes are going to be on Lucas uh, Mecha. Uh, Babu was talking very positively about him as well. Somebody who he knew from when he arrived in the club in 2019 and has since come back uh, and is now doing great things both in the Bundesliga and with the, the German national team as well. Uh, but I, I think that this is a huge opportunity. I'm delighted uh, that, that they're just, you know, assuming that Sevilla are going to win the Europa League and are already moving the final to Sevilla. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's a fantastic touch. But, uh, you know, I think as well, Sevilla will be disappointed with the way that they've performed so far this season uh, and then they'll definitely be looking at this as not necessarily a do or die mission but I think they'll they'll probably recognize that their hopes of, of advancing past the group stage are pretty much done if they don't get the win here yeah and apparently uh, well use of a necessary as well not available you know that's mm. going to be uh, a major fact let's do something fun here then uh, just tell me your two teams that are going to be successful uh, this, this week this week you don't have to give me the whole thing all right so jimmy who do you think we'll, 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 give me a quick score for both games here this is a fun group okay. yeah sure i i got sevilla winning 2-1 i think Lille, uh that'll be sevilla's first one in the group so that would put them up to six points because they have three draws and a loss yeah. um you got you got Lille and salzburg i think they're both on seven if i'm not mistaken or, or no, maybe uh, Lille has five and Salzburg has seven. But Salzburg away. My, my only issue with Lille, really quickly, is that with no Iconi, is that how you say it, uh, JJ Iconi? Iconi. Iconi is an amazing player. He scored against yeah. us. And there's the group the, right the now winner. Yeah, for everybody to watch and, as well. Yeah, and then you have uh, Jonathan Bamba might be out. Uh, they're also missing Andre. You know, some, some key players, Lille. And I feel like Salzburg, who actually have only won one out of the last four and, and – haven't been scoring at the same clip that we're used to. Every team's going to have a dip. That makes me a bit nervous, but I like Salzburg. And if Adeyemi up top can can kind of regain his form and Okafor up top can also pair with them. If those guys are on fire and Aronson's pulling the strings, I, I like them a lot. I thought they were really impressive away, away from home so far this season. Um, I could see a draw on that one. And Salzburg goes up to eight, but that still gives Lille six. And 
and uh you know they're floating around it, it's this is a great group i know i said that benfica and barcelona was was the best matchup this whole group's amazing this whole group is crazy that's what we wanted and don't forget karim adeyemi by the way who scored this past weekend as well he just scores for fun jj give me your uh, predictions for both games here I can see a score draw between Lille and Salzburg. Uh, Another and I draw, see, I, I, I can see, I I can see Sevilla winning uh, against Wolfsburg narrowly, which, which sets up the final day fantastically well. And I it think it still, it still gives Wolfsburg a shot as well because they'll be at home to Lille in the final match. Ooh, I baby. That. I definitely see Sevilla winning. Uh, I, the other one's really tricky, but Salzburg, uh, Adeyemi, man, he just scores when he... Blinks. It's ridiculous. Uh, but as everybody mentioned here, Group G, super, super fun. And again, don't forget to read JJ's interview on cbsports.com. All right. Uh, before we take a break, even though these two teams are pretty much set, it's a kind of a marquee game anyway. Chelsea against Juventus. Uh, what do you see here? I mean, when we look at the group, obviously Juventus leading 12 points, Chelsea nine. So they're set. But there is something to be said, of course, about topping the group, making sure that you want to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, stay top. How do you see this game, especially because Juventus won narrowly against Chelsea at Juventus? Jimmy, how do you see this one at Stamford Bridge? Yeah, I like Chelsea. Uh, it'll be another Thomas Tuchel special, which means Chelsea to win in under two and a half goals. It's just what he does. He's done that 11 out of 12 times since he's uh, been in charge. Chelsea have won 12 of their 19 games. They've only lost two all season. They've kept clean sheets in six of their last eight. They haven't conceded yeah. more than one goal in a game this whole season in all competitions. Uh, their defeat at Juve was only the second time Chelsea have lost successive games under Tuchel. They've got 30 league goals. 15 different players have scored. It's just they're really well-rounded. I feel like they're starting to find a little bit of that form. Lukaku should be available. Not to start, I think, but to come off the bench. Timo Werner will be available. I don't know if he'll start. But now those guys are starting to get healthy, which I think even makes them more dangerous. Pulisic obviously rounding into health as well. And I also think that Chelsea want to win this group. That You want to be the number one seed. You, you don't want to face uh, you know, a number one seed from another group. And I think that would be really important. They have something to play for. Juve have already booked their ticket. And I know that Juve had a big win on the weekend over Lazio. Two penalties from Benucci. And they needed that as well. They weren't playing particularly well. But no Dybala. You know, I just don't, th- when I look at Marata and Kulisevsky potentially starting up top, I, I just don't see how that, and Chiesa, maybe Chiesa is the one guy who can win a game by himself or score a goal, but I don't think that's going to be enough. I, I, I think Chelsea is going to win this game and, and shouldn't have too much trouble. I think they have more incentive to win this one, I think, than Juventus does. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a bizarre one, especially given how slow and sluggish Juve have looked uh, domestically at times so far this season. Uh, I, I I would counter with that. I'd say that this is actually a really good opportunity for Juve to breathe a bit of new life, a bit of new momentum into their season mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're so far off the pace in Italy at the moment. It's uh, it, it's crazy. So, uh, you know, I do think that if Juve can avoid defeat here, that pretty much sees, sees them out to win the group. But I agree with you. From past experience, when Tuchel was a PSG coach, he doesn't like, uh, you know, not finishing first in in any field. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, th- I think he'll definitely set Chelsea up to, to get the win. Uh, and if they do, uh, you know, I think that that will probably take care of that. And, uh, you know, and Chelsea will end up topping the group, which you kind of expect. We I think we expected at the beginning of the, the group stage. Uh, you know, they are champions after all. Yeah, and the target, of course, for Juventus at this point, and Allegri, I guess, is obviously he wants to top the group, but really qualification to the knockout stages was the most important thing. By the way, I reviewed All or Nothing Juventus, the new documentary uh, on Amazon, plus some really great stuff there, guys. Uh, One specific about how Bonucci is really scary. And Chiesa, Chiesa in the documentary just keeps saying it, saying Bonucci is really scary. There's a scene where they're all having, there's a scene where they're all having lunch and the young players are like laughing, McKenny, et cetera, whatever. And Bonucci's having lunch by himself. And he literally turns to Chiesa and McKenny and Chiesa is like, what? And Bonucci is like, you know, you can eat lunch without speaking that does happen <laughs> and Chiesa is so scared <laughs> so I really recommend it but anyway to the point about Chelsea Juve should be a very good one and I agree I think a very slim victory uh, for Chelsea I think we'll take a break right now when we come back Wednesday's Champions League action including Man City PSG Liverpool Porto and so much more Champions League Gigolasso preview with Jimmy Conrad and Jonathan Johnson we'll be right back Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back, everybody. Champions League preview match day five. Que golazo, Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Conrad. All right, Jimmy. Man City. PSG, all the marbles at stake in this one. How do you see it? Well, I will say, and I'm actually want to hear from JJ, obviously, for, for PSG's perspective, but Man City can win the group with a win and can advance to the round of 16 with a draw. But as we were saying, very similarly to Chelsea and Juventus, you want to win the group. It does make a difference and it does put you in a better spot to, to potentially have an easier road to, to the final. That said, if you get into the round of 16 of the Champions League, you're probably a, a pretty good team. So th that's something to take into consideration. City have only lost two of their last 17 in all competitions. They lost to uh, uh, PSG on match day two, and then they lost at home to Crystal Palace, and that's it. Bernardo Silva's been on fire. They had a great game against Everton this past weekend. Uh, they've kept nine clean sheets in their 19 games, all competitions. It feels like they're a little bit better defensively, potentially, than they are on the attacking side and Kevin De Bruyne is not going to be available for this due to COVID protocols. So it's, it's, this is a great game. I still feel like we haven't seen PSG at its peak. I, I don't feel like we've seen them firing on all cylinders. And I think that's the interesting thing for me. Uh, Neymar is coming back, you know, scoring some goals and Bappe scored seven in his last four for both club and country. Uh, Messi just finally scored uh, this past, it was against Nantes this past weekend. And so there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And then Sergio Ramos is back training. And I actually feel like his, I don't know if his presence will make a difference, but his leadership, I think, is much needed for, for PSG, especially in the back line. So I don't know if he's going to get the run out. I'm curious uh, before I give my prediction about any of this stuff. But if he played, he has got that X factor and tangible leadership uh, presence about him that I think does raise and elevate. Also, because me and me and JJ love this, Marco Verratti should be starting this game. And we know that he's the glue that if he's in the team, <laughs> PSG just are, are just a more well-oiled machine. Yeah, absolutely. And Verratti being back for that non-clash, actually captain of PSG uh, for that game. That was a big, big boost. Uh, it was interesting to see that Pochettino went with Mbappe, Messi and Neymar, uh, you know, given all of the, the uncertainty after Neymar mm -hmm. came back from international duty with a knock. Uh, you know, Messi came back and basically announced that, well, now I don't have Argentina to focus on for a while. You know, I'm going to give it all my all for, for PSG and we'll, we'll see where things go between now and the end of the year. So, you know, you, you say that we're kind of waiting for PSG to, to like catch fire under Pochettino, but I mean, that's pretty much been the case since Pochettino arrived. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, are we, are we actually ever going to see it happen? And I, I think there's no better time for PSG to, uh, you know, finally put in that performance, uh, you know, that, that sort of give us that sort of confirmation than now, you know, there's speculation about Pochettino potentially going to United, uh, you know, and that's only going to escalate if uh, PSG lose to City here. But if PSG win, and uh, they've beaten City home and away. Uh, that should pretty much secure them to spot, barring barring a, a massive um, blip in form against uh, Club Brugge. With all due respect to them, they were very good uh, in Belgium against PSG. So, you know, I think that there is a lot for PSG to play for here, uh, regardless of, of Pochettino's uh, situation. And obviously, depending on where Pochettino sees his future now that these links with United are surfacing, uh, you know, this is potentially big for, for his uh, immediate future as well. Yeah, and let's not forget, PSG are unbeaten in the Champions League, you know? So, you know, uh, but I will give the table and turn it around because Man City, when you look back at that game, really were, at least from uh, chances, uh, I mean, possession-based, I guess they were in control. So they're going to want a little bit redemption. This is a really intriguing matchup because PSG, to your point, Jimmy, if they get it all together, Sergio Ramos comes in at the very least to lead and help, not even on the pitch, just his presence. They can maybe help out. But I'm looking at Man City this past weekend against Everton. 
no Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, it, did, it didn't really matter. Like, you know, Ferran Torres is still out. Everybody was just clicking. And defensively, they're so good. When Rodri matching like that, it's crazy. Go ahead, JJ. But to be fair, wasn't that against a depleted Everton, Everton. side? Everton, yes, correct. That's Everton, true. yeah, that's true. that's true. The biggest, the biggest trick that Arsenal ever did was convinced that you could sell a Wobi for that much amount of money. But let's, uh, let, no, right, so just, go ahead. Jimmy. I wanted to jump in. No, no, no. I think it's really important to, to think about here because Man City, I think in that first game against PSG in the group stages, you could sense that when things weren't going their way that they, they were just getting frustrated. And then they start, I think, rushing. And, and they lose a little bit of their rhythm. Now, what I love about this one stat that I'm going to say is that that PSG have picked up 10 points in Liga with goals after the 80th minute this season. And, and Messi scored his second in that, that game against uh, Man City in the mm. 74th minute. They wear you down. And, and they can, it, once you have that lapse of concentration, once you're a little bit tired, they've got some horses that can absolutely sting you. And yeah. I feel like that plays into PSG's hands. And if they can just hang around and weather that, you know, first 30 minutes of this Man City storm that we know is coming and, and weather that, then then I think they have a good chance. And maybe right, you know, give me your score prediction. Then. God damn it. I'm going to draw. <laughs> I'm going to draw, dude. I'm really? going to I'm going to say high scoring I, draw. a high score. No, I don't know. I think this could be a little bit tighter. I think there's okay. a lot to play for here. I'm going to say one one because I, I don't know. I'm going to say one one. Yeah. All right. JJ, God, I'm so boring. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna back PSG. I'm gonna say a two two one win with the uh, with the winning goal coming later wow. on. The the one thing that I would add to that uh, to what Jimmy was saying was a couple of a month or so ago, uh, I would have said PSG's defense has no chance of standing up uh, to a team like Manchester City's attack. But since it's the perfect. return of Juan Bernat. Uh, on the left-hand side, suddenly there's so much more balance to that defense. Uh, you know, obviously getting uh, Kimpembe and Marquinhos back on the pitch will be hugely important for PSG. But to suddenly have Bern in Bernat, uh, you know, a, a wing-back who can basically mirror what Hakimi is doing on the right, that that really yeah. changes the the balance. Yeah, Man City's winning this. Um, I'm giving it 2-1 to <laughs> Manchester City. We all uh, pick something different. I can't wait to yeah, do that. I like it. Jimmy went with a draw. JJ <laughs> went with the PSG win. I go with Man City win. So that's good. One of us will have uh, something to gloat, and both of us, uh, the rest, uh, egg on our faces. Let's move on. Uh, by the way, Ambruga plays Leipzig. But let's move on here. Atletico Madrid against AC Milan. Um, you know, Atleti, such an intriguing team jonathan johnson we haven't seen the best of them we've seen sparks of it obviously they remain a potent threat under diego simeone but you know now they host an ac milan side who as well you know they're they're doing the inter of last season where it's like you know well maybe they're focusing more now domestically but liverpool lead that group with 12 points porter five atleti four ac milan one atleti they gotta win like if they want this champions league they, they need to make this happen how do you see it jonathan johnson yeah it's really really interesting uh you know i kind of feel like atleti and ac milan are in a similar boat in the way that we've talked about them this season uh, this really is last chance saloon for, for Milan to even salvage Europa League. Mm. Uh, and I just feel like Porto at the moment are, are benefiting from the fact that they're just so consistent in the Champions League. You know, they don't really excel, but they don't ever disgrace themselves. Uh, and that's put them in uh, second position at this moment in time and put Atleti, uh, you know, under quite a bit of pressure coming into this match because it's, it's kind of like one of those uh, like trap games. Uh, I guess I would call it uh, for Atleti, where they're going to be coming up against a team that's really, really motivated. You know, Milan, they they knew that if they wanted to advance in the top two of this group, they needed to be Porto. They didn't do that. So now they're fighting for not only pride, but also potentially that Europa League spot. Uh, and I don't think they're going to give Atletico Madrid, uh, you know, an easy ride here. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Italians suddenly sneak a win and, and change the complexion of this group ahead of the final round of games. Yeah, this is a tricky one. I think, to your point, JJ, what does Milan have to play for? And obviously, they can use the team that they share a stadium with, San Siro, at Inter Milan, with regard to the benefits of not having European competition. So if they finish last, they're not going to be into the Europa League. They can kind of just cruise and concentrate on the league. They're coming off a big, big loss to Fiorentina 4-3 this past weekend. They had two draws prior to that, which included Porto. And then the Milan derby was 1-1 in the international break. You know, even though Zlatan scored two goals, the guy's an ageless wonder. Is he going to run into that that same type? I don't know. It's really interesting for me. Now, 
Atleti, you never know what you're going to get with them. It doesn't look like Joao Felix is going to be available for this one. Kieran Trippier is out. Is Griezmann out for this one or not? Did they extend his suspension? I, I, I'm seeing mixed reports on this, but with Griezmann not available, you know, you got Luis Suarez, you have Cunha, you have Correa. Obviously, they have options, but but I wonder. And then Felipe, who scored the, the winner this past weekend for Atleti, he is going to be out as well. So... Yeah, Griezmann I don't know. is cleared, by the way. He's being okay, cleared. If he's, if he's cleared to play, then that's um, that's obviously very important, and it gives them a lot to 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 build off of and gives them options. Now, if we remember the last time these two played, I thought it lets he got a pretty, not say bogus penalty, but they got a pretty soft penalty to win that game. Uh, the three times they've, they've played each other, it lets won all three historically. So I don't know. I'm going back and forth on this. Uh, I just feel like, is Milan going to roll out their guys? They're missing a lot of players too. Got no Ante Rebic. Um, their goalkeeper, Mike Mignon, is out. I think that's a big loss for them. Bakayoko is probably out. Tamori's looking like he's going to be out. I think yeah, this could be a makeshift squad. I think Atleti has to take advantage, and, and they need this result, and they need Liverpool to do the business against Porto so they can secure that second spot. It'd be very Atleti for them to kind of backdoor their way into second and then probably be making a deep run to the final in the Champions League. All right, well, so moving, on, moving on to that group, by the way, is before we do all our predictions, Liverpool against Porto. You mentioned Jonathan Johnson, of course, uh, the consistency of Porto, but this is a Liverpool side just clicking on all angles. How do you see that one? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, especially at Anfield, you'd have to fancy Liverpool uh, winning that one. But then again, you know, Liverpool have already guaranteed that they're going to finish top of this group. They know mm-hmm. that they're through. Uh, they've got a very, very tough run of games, as the winter period always is in the Premier League coming up. You know, why risk it? Why why send out all of the big guns? I mean, I know there's the arguments about not wanting to lose momentum uh, mm-hmm. and all of that. But also at the same time, you know, you don't want to run any of your key guys uh, into the ground unnecessarily for a game that is basically sewing up uh you know what what you already know is it to be to be a fact which is top spot in the group and you know progression to the latter stages of the champions league so for me i think if any team is going to rotate their players uh or you know go with makeshift squads uh in in this group it, it should be liverpool and i still think with all due respect to, to porto that sort of uh, a half strength liverpool side can still you know hold their own at anfield uh, against porto yeah that's a, this is a tough one I think Liverpool, and similar to Manchester United, maybe not this particular moment, but you have players on the bench that want to play and want to prove themselves. So you maybe you have Allison start, you have Jordan Henderson, can maybe you know you have guys in the spine of the team. Maybe you just roll out either Mohamed Salah or Sadio Mane, give both forty-five minutes or whatever you decide. Minamino scored against Arsenal this past weekend, the fourth goal. He'll probably start. Origi will probably get in. Oxley Chamberlain, you know, finally getting a couple of run of games. I think would be good for him. And then you have Kanate, the center back, Phillips. You know, you got these guys that have probably been itching that maybe were, were relied upon last season because of all the injuries, haven't really got to run out as much, and they want to get out there and prove themselves. So you have that eagerness and that hunger that I think will probably match what Porto has in thinking about hunger as well. So it's going to come down, I think, to maybe one or two plays and maybe goalkeepers. Who's going to make that timely save to keep their team into it? I don't know if there's going to be a lot of goals in this one because there's going to be so many changes. But I agree with JJ. I think Liverpool is just going to have a little bit too much, especially at Anfield. All right, Jimmy. Well, give me your prediction for uh, AC Milan uh, away at Atletico Madrid. How do you see that one? Yeah, I got Atleti winning that. I'll go Diego Simeone special 1-0. And then with Liverpool-Porto, I like Mediterranean and Oliver and Diaz. Uh, <laughs> I could see a 2-1 Liverpool. 2-1 Liverpool. Okay. All right. So, um, JJ, what do you see? I'm going to go for... AC Milan drawing with uh, the Forrest Gump of Champions League football, as, uh, as, as, as Jimmy was uh, mentioning earlier. Uh, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go for a draw there. I think that's going to be a frustrating one for Atleti, and I'm going to say that Liverpool win against Porto, but narrowly. So let's say one 0 All right. Well, listen. If Liverpool beat Porto and Atleti get a draw, they'll go second. So all they need to do is a few things to go their way. All right, let's uh, move on here. Sheriff against Real Madrid. Inter Milan against Shakhtar. That's Wednesday, 12.45 Eastern, that Inter-Shakhtar game. And this group, by the way, is is tight as well. You know, Real Madrid leading with nine points. Inter with seven. Sheriff with six, Jimmy Conrad. It's, it's, it's tight. It's tight. How do you see it? Yeah, it's not for Sheriff. I think I think Sheriff's time is done. They, Sheriff's uh, time. they, they, they they're riding off into the sunset, which is the sunset is the Europa League. Like, I think they're going to finish third in this group, but uh, I, I just feel like Madrid might have a little bit 
too much pride, obviously losing to Sheriff 2-1 uh, at home, which is uh, not a good look and wasn't a good look that particular week. I really like Carlo Ancelotti as manager. I think they got a big 4-1 win this past weekend. Uh, Vinicius Jr. still on fire doing his thing, and, and I just think they have too many weapons, and I think they're going to just they, – they just don't let Sheriff play. Don't give – teams that don't have much of a chance, you can't give them – that that space to go do what they want. I think that Sheriff's done a very good job of taking advantage of that. I think Madrid just needs to kind of just step on their throats right from the get-go and get a big result, and that'll be that. And then with regard to the other one, you know, Shakhtar Donetsk has one point. Uh, Inter Milan coming off a big win this past weekend, uh, the only team to beat Napoli in Serie A. I, I like Inter to do the business as well. It doesn't matter where they're playing Shakhtar. I just think they're the better team, and I think they can sense that they got to get a result in match day five to really just solidify their spot in second. But Madrid beats Sheriff and, and Inter is going to be fine. So I think both of the top teams are going to win. Yeah, I can. Uh, I, I I think this one is pretty much going to go as we expect. Uh, you know, I think Inter will probably beat Shakhtar. Disappointed with how Shakhtar have really failed yeah. to compete this time because normally you can rely on them to at least you know put up some sort of resistance. Obviously, we saw them win home and away against Real last season. Just none of none of that kind of fire this time. You know, I've seen uh, Deserbi getting himself into a bit of trouble domestically as well with some spats with, uh, with with opposing coaches. So perhaps not all working out as well as they expected there. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, for me, I can I can see Inter and Real winning these matches fairly easily, and Sheriff's uh, you know impressive start to, to life in the group has pretty much guaranteed that they're going to win that Europa League spot. All right, so as is of course there in Group D. Let's uh, wrap things up here. Group C, Group C is also another intriguing group. Of course, Sporting against Borussia Dortmund, both teams have six points in that one, by the way. And Ajax, Ajax, the machine that is Ajax against Besiktas. Uh, Jonathan Johnson, how do you see Group C shaping out? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think any of us really expected Ajax to have such an impressive record at this stage uh, of the group. Very, very happy for them. I think, you know, a strong Ajax team performing like they are is is huge for the Champions League, given their history in the competition. Uh, you know, they really do look uh, unstoppable. And you look at their results over both legs against uh, Borussia Dortmund. You know, that was really, really impressive for me. Uh, and I, I think now Ajax, knowing that, you know, pretty much they only need a point to guarantee top spot if that even get you know given the way that the the fixtures are have, have fallen uh you know i th i think that again you know ajax you know need to make sure that they don't put any key men uh you know in particular danger i'm thinking of the likes of tadic the likes of haller especially tadic given his uh you know recent uh, exertions with uh, serbia you know just kind of wrap him in cotton wool a little bit so you don't pick up any <laughs> unnecessary injuries uh you know but i think that I, I still think that even a rotated Ajax team will probably have too much for for Besiktas, who are pointless, uh, you know, so far in the in, in the group and in the other game. Uh, you know, I think Dortmund, you know, regardless of uh, you know Erling Haaland's recent injury issues, you know, really, really need to to pick up the points there so that they can ensure that they're going to finish second in this group. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I'll start with the Besiktas game. Besiktas have been a nightmare. I'm just going to go out there and say it. They've lost all four matches in the group, and they're mid-table domestically. Uh, as JJ correctly mentioned, Ajax are flying this season. I think the only thing that can set them back is any, any rumors flying around about their manager. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? I don't think he's going to go anywhere, but money talks, right? So, And Manchester United is obviously a pretty big club. And and uh, everybody wants to be. I, I think I think point, I think know? those quotes as well were quite interesting. Where he's basically said, you know, nothing's officially come to me yet, but you know, let's almost like let's revisit it if it does. Interesting. Yeah. Which is which is. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I would be shocked if it happens mid-season, just given the momentum and stuff. I think the summer is a more realistic thing. But like I, I was telling Fabrizio, like, you might as well get Edwin Van der Sar as well and get the chief executive and just get everything going. <laughs> yeah, no joke. No joke. Yeah. I Go mean, ahead, Frank DeBoer must be licking his lips. He might have an opportunity <laughs> to coach again. But but I'll say RB Leipzig have conceded um, more goals. The only team that has conceded more goals than Besiktas in the group stages. Mm. RB Leipzig given up 13, which is crazy. Besiktas has given up 12. I think that uh, Ajax will minimum get a draw here, but I expect them to win even if they rolled out a second team. And then with regard to Dortmund Sporting, this is you can't sleep on Portuguese competition in Europe. They always seem to figure out a way to, to be difficult to break down. Sporting obviously won the Portuguese league last season for the first time in over 20 years. So they have they have good players and they definitely have some momentum. 
They're on a win, nine game winning streak in all competitions, too. I should throw that in there. Now, Dortmund won a tight game this past weekend over Stuttgart 2 1. But uh, even though they're not going to be with Erling Holland, it looks like Torgan Hazard and Mats Hummels will also be uh, hurt. So that, that hurts them a little bit. You know, obviously having some different options. I, I see that one being a draw, and I think it's going to go down to match day six to decide who's going to get second in this group. Yeah, well, it's going to be very, very tight, but Ajax remain perfect, and I think it would be very difficult to argue against that. All right, well, that was it. That was our Champions League match day five preview. Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Conrad, before we say goodbye, any final thoughts, Jimmy Conrad? No, I'm just excited to be back. I've missed a couple pods, and so it's nice to be here. It's nice to be amongst my family. Luis, you and I got to play a pickup game a couple days ago, so I got to meet I you in person that. for the first time. So now, JJ, it's your and I's turn at some point, too. Yeah, well, I want to join them on that one because we'll go to Paris and make it happen, Jonathan Johnson. Any final thoughts before we say goodbye, bud? Yeah, absolutely. Paris or Birmingham, you pick. Uh, no, just, uh, just, just really excited to get into this. Obviously, you know, when we get towards the final few matches in the group stage, you always get those unexpected results. You know, certain teams suddenly slipping out of contention, somebody making a late burst to get into it. So, uh, you know, really, really excited to see how this one plays out. 100%. Thank you so much, both of you. Jimmy Conrad, thank you, brother. Thank you. Jonathan Johnson, I appreciate you. As always, guys, thanks a lot. An absolute pleasure. Thank you, everybody, and thank you for uh, being part of our show. Thanks for the preview, for you watching and listening, but by no means this is the end because we also have more Champions League coverage, including recaps for both nights as well. Join us live on YouTube, live on YouTube, 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday and Wednesday as we will discuss the games that were, of course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the QG YouTube channel to catch all the latest content. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Follow Kego Lasso on Twitter, Kego Lasso Pod. Subscribe to Kego Lasso on YouTube. Hit the notification bell. And of course, subscribe to Kego Lasso on Podcast CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. That's it. That's all I have. That's all we have. Enjoy, channel. Champions League action. We will see you very soon. Have a good one. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus.